Ladies and gentlemen, hello again and welcome to the Noted Podcast, uh, where we take note of the underrated players in the small market teams of the league. And as always, uh, I'm your host, Brian Corzo, along with my jazz-loving, analyzing of the sports, and jazz game going fiends, uh, <laughs> record-recorded in Carson Hilton. Uh, and this time... <clears throat> Uh, with the next episode talking about, or I guess pretty much picking up right where we left off from our last uh, podcast on uh, last last week Monday, where we were talking about playing teams over in the Eastern Conference, <clears throat> which teams are on the outside looking in, inside looking out kind of deal. So we just want to like pick right back where we left off, talk about the Western Conference and some of the teams that um, I guess are kind of. Uh, on, on the skirts uh, of the of the top eight, <clears throat> so I, I think I wanted to open it up this week with talking about uh, the Sacramento Kings because they had a big, uh, big thing happen to them today, where Luke Walton was fired after losing to the Jazz, um, and just kind of like the whole status of uh, you know Sacramento as a whole, like what's what's wrong? Like they had such a good start, and why has this franchise been unsuccessful? Uh, thus far, I Sacramento. That's tough because I think like a lot of teams, you'll see teams overachieve, and Sacramento has just never, never really overachieved or achieved anything. And I think it's because their front office is so dysfunctional; they don't give their players a chance to succeed. Like Luke, this with Luke Walton firing is is years overdue and the fact they're only firing him now like they t- they took way too long to make this decision their their front office had made so many mistakes they just it seems like they never know what they're doing and it feels like they just they they don't they don't put their players in a position to to really you know be in a place that they can win and i i just think there yeah. needs to be serious serious changes in the front office and coaching staff accountability yeah <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. to see the first of the season to now um i think the first of the season can just like players kind of go in with a clean slate until that harrison barnes came out with like a whole new mentality um and so they got some good ones they lost some close ones and then they kind of just snuck back into their ways and i think you can kind of tell with the locker room that's kind of they're just kind of done with the, what the coaching staff has to say or what Luke Walton has to say at this point because I don't think anybody else has been fired. Um, but that the players just weren't really believing in the plan. Um, they obviously have the the skill to be a better-than-average team, I guess I could say. They're not a contender by any means, but I think that you know with the talent they have starting and they don't have that bad of a bench either, they could definitely carve themselves out a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely something that was on Luke Walton and it has been for a while now. So it'll be interesting to see. It's always hard coach, uh, firing a coach like mid-season. Um, I, I'm going to guess that big changes pro- probably aren't going to happen until next season. Um, yeah. They'll probably just promote Alvin Gentry at this point to be the interim and see how that goes. But it's kind of a bummer to see how that that panned out especially how good they looked at the beginning of the season yeah and it's it's kind of a bummer like just their whole i mean the last what two decades 
like Sacramento has really just been disappointing. And it's so hard to see, especially now where they have so much young talent and potential. And like they really like they really could like this year. I think their aspirations are like we're gonna be a play in or like a playoff team. Like even like saying you're a playoff team is a little bit like over the top. Like yeah, like buy into that. And I think they did kind of at the beginning, but then like there's they just I don't know if they lost hope. It's and ultimately it's on the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they they make some serious changes. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really sad. I, I especially because there's there's some players on that team that I really like personally. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Darren Fox is so awesome, uh, but not against the Jazz, which is pretty nice. <laughs> um, but all in all, it's just like you know you have such a bright future. Davion Mitchell's looking to be like a super incredible like two way player. Tyrese is just the uh, really good facilitating scoring moving in the in the paint and all that like i don't know they they got some good things and then you know i always said that like maybe changing some of like the veteran core uh, getting rid of buddy healed and like getting someone who's going to keep you accountable the whole time because it really seemed to me like one of the issues with sacramento is that they would play like top top 10 team basketball for three quarters and then just disappear one of the other quarters. And I think a lot of times, especially against the Jazz, they literally were neck and neck with us mm-hmm. until one quarter happened, and then it was it was over, right? Okay. And I don't think they have – they don't have the kind of, like, <clears throat> um, like, leadership in a way that they could come back from such a large deficit and have that. Like, I, I see something in, like, like John Morant, Davian – or, sorry, Donovan Mitchell, like – some where like they will literally will their team to win uh sometimes yeah. and i just don't see that in sacramento so i yeah, think maybe changes taxed. in yeah changes in head coach uh i think is going to help a lot but i think bringing in like a veteran presence that is going to keep you accountable that is going to be like really exciting which i think is going to be really hard to like you know to get a free agent over to sacramento right now and like yeah the situation it is and you're just going to have to hope that, you know, <clears throat> either Tyrese, De'Aaron, or uh, Davion can, can get to that point. Also getting rid of Marvin Bagley. Um, yeah. See, and that, that's that's the tough part that you, you pointed out where veterans don't want to go there. Because if I'm, if I'm say, like a, like a veteran NBA player, like in the later stages of my career, but I could still help out a team, I, I don't even give Sacramento a second chance purely because how incompetent their front office is. I, I, I don't take them seriously. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure Sacramento Kings fans would agree. Like, they've, they've messed up way too many times to be like, why would I, why would I give you any sort of chance? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they, they've, been, they've struggled to ever get free agents. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think the front office combined with that coaching, like you have to develop players. And De'Aaron Fox has always consistently been good, and he improved his first couple of years. But he's kind of at a point where he needs someone to step in um, developmentally to help him get to the point because they've given him the contract. So obviously they're putting the faith in him. So. If they can get a coach, and I think a veteran presence would be great as well, but a coach that would can just like take what De'Aaron Fox is now and just say, hey, 
it's you're ready for the next step let's get you there like a ton of these games that they've lost because of just like a lack of focus in one quarter is definitely going to help because the focus breaks down it doesn't matter if the starters are on the floor or if it's the bench on the floor like it 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 happens randomly and so i i definitely agree uh in that aspect and then like yeah front office needs to figure their crap out before they can get a really good veteran at this point so yeah Mm -hmm. and it's it's really unfortunate because um fun fact the kings are actually top 10 in points per game like Hmm. they have the talent exactly just don't have the defensive prowess they're not playing as a team it's a lot of isolation ball um and then obviously they're just letting everybody steamroll them in like one quarter for example the jazz in the fourth what was it 39 points something like that something easy easily they are one of the worst teams is awful opponent uh points per game 26th in the league at a 111.1 which is almost as much as they're scoring which is pretty (laughs) it's pretty funny they're averaging like two point losses like it's not like it's that bad right they're right there mm And that's what I'm saying. Like stuff like that could have a, such a drastic change and actually make Sacramento a playoff team. And I, I don't think that we should count them out just yet. Um, I think they have way too much talent for us to disregard them like that. Um, and I, I really think that Davion, uh, Davion's going to make a big, big leap and jump in his career. And hopefully, he can make some noise as far as the rookie of the year. Um, because as far as rookie of the year, like yes, someone else is probably gonna win it, but year over year growth and development in a in a player, I see a lot of like Lou Dort in Davian Mitchell. Yeah, and, da- and Lou Dort is still him. like has a lot to go as far as offensive prowess, right? But Davion like already has that right now, and he can lock a lot of people up. Yeah, it's really rare for a rookie to be have that have that have that much upside on perimeter defense absolutely yeah absolutely very very rare especially of his size so with his thighs (laughs) i swear that's what i heard size (laughs) size um no yeah but sacramento uh i think introspectively good i'm i'm definitely seeing them maybe around maybe like the ninth eighth spot uh i could realistically see them um it just it really all depends on what Alvin Gentry is going to be able to do right now. But they have too much talent. They have too much talent. Yep. They just need excitement. They need uh, more focus, accountability, because the talent's there. They can yep. score. Work as a team. It's going to freaking come. Like, trust me. It's the NBA. Every game's going to be hard. You just have to f- worry about doing it instead of worrying about, oh, this is hard, which yeah. kind of yeah. seems what the sure. kings do um next team that i wanted to talk about that's kind of uh questionable as if they're even going to make <laughs> any position because it, it is a very confusing team and that's portland uh yeah. trailblazers yeah. um i guess what are you guys thinking as far as the trailblazers and, and dame as a whole i know he's been having kind of a rough season uh to start yeah they just need to learn how to win on the road <laughs> They, they're fine at home. They've only lost one game at home, but they've lost seven away. They've only won one away game this season. If they can learn how to win on the road, they might be okay. But it's not looking good so far. Yeah. Yeah, Portland is weird because, like, they'll 
go on like a weird like two or three game losing streak and then they'll like get a really nice win and then you're like oh maybe portland is like glimmers of that western conference (laughs) finals portland team and then they lose seven on the road and then they only lose one at home it portland's so weird i i i have a hard time believing that portland will be any sort of force in in the postseason but i i also don't think they're gonna fall out of the play-in i think they'll probably be around the eight seven maybe six but yeah the fact the fact that they are winning at home is is good as far as at least making the playoffs but yeah i don't think they're doing anything yeah, but if you if you can't win on the road that's half your games that yeah yeah and true. that's so the best at best you're uh you're a 500 team yeah yeah which you and, can probably make the play in if you're 500 in the west yeah and if if we kind of look uh, at their season as a whole, they were just losing and winning and losing and winning and losing and winning. It was like three two three two three two, um, just back and forth. Right now they're on a three game win streak, um, and I think that three game win streak is very impressive because uh, you got the Raptors, the Bulls, and the Sixers, and they're playing the Nuggets uh, in two days so on Tuesday. Um, which has been good. Uh, Dame also dropped, you know, season high thirty nine against the Seventy Sixers. Obviously, uh, down uh, their their players, but it, it does look like he's trying to get back into the spin of things. <clears throat> but uh, Portland is a, a very similar case to Sacramento in the fact that they are number five in points per game in the entire NBA. Yet they are barely over a five hundred team. Um, and that's yep. a lot of that is due to defense. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody thinks about defense when they think about Portland. It's more just like, uh, we're going to outscore you and hopefully that's good enough. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. they're, they're just know. five spots behind the Sacramento King, just to, as yeah to give you a perspective, uh, of opponents per, or opposing, Opponent points per game, uh, they're 21st in the league, so in the bottom 10. That's including teams like Houston and Pistons, you know, over oh, in Detroit. So. Yikes. Yikes. So, I don't know, like, is Dame going to leave this year? Like, yeah. sincerely I, and I, honestly, like, yes. I just don't, there's no upside. How, yeah. how are you ever going to compete for a championship? Yeah. You already yeah. had your I chance. Th- exactly. If, if I'm Portland, I think it's time to move on and rebuild. This this Nurkic, uh, CJ McCollum, Dame thing never worked out. It's never it no. never has worked out. And each of the, each of those guys deserves a chance to at least something else. And and Portland deserves a chance to to reset and and try for something new. Yeah, and I, agree. I think it would be mutually beneficial for both. And I I, I just feel like them holding on to Dame with this hope that maybe they can make a push is just kind of false hope. Yeah. Honestly, there's at one point, I'll go for it. There's at one point that Damien and CJ were like, you know, they could have been perennial all-stars together and Mm -hmm. like, were really dominating as far as backcourts go. Um, And then they made, CJ got injured and came back, and then they made the Western Conference Finals, and then they've just like never looked the same ever since. <clears throat> so, like, y- if that was your peak, 
what do you do forward? You can't just sit here and let these players sit in limbo and just be a perennial six seed. Like, if I'm Dame, I'm gone. I don't think there's any yeah. question about it at this point. I, I appreciate the loyalty. And, I mean, as a small yeah. market team, you know, with the Jazz that we're fans of, like, obviously we would be distraught if Donovan Mitchell were to ever leave. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. But it, it gets to a point as well where you have to understand the player. Like, Dame has done more than enough for Portland. Like, honestly, being a Portland yeah. fan and, and seeing Dame, like, ask for a trade, like, it makes sense. I mean, it, it does sound kind of hypocritical because he's always talked about loyalty and stuff like that. Um, now, one thing that I think would be really beneficial is a trade between the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I think Dame would honestly fit so well in Philly and the fact of how much Philly has to offer to trade for Dame. Cause I, I don't know if there's any team in more dire need for what Dame has to give uh, and with more resources. I mean, you got Matisse, you got Maxi, uh, super incredible, like young players. Also Ben that they're just trying to offload. Like, <laughs> That would be a yeah. really good situation if you could trade like Ben Simmons and um, maybe like Matisse Tybel. Add some like, I mean, just think about defense in Portland. Adding Ben Simmons and Matisse Tybel, like first, first of all, where is your star power going to come from? I think that's another question. And maybe you just try to tank and get a really good draft pick. Um, but it kind of just sounds like there's just not much happening in yeah. Portland. And there's just no, there's no excitement, and it's kind of disappointing because everybody loves Dame and everybody wants to see Dame succeed. But when you are just bad, like the the mm. only way you're winning games is if Dame is dropping like 30, 40 points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and the I love Dame. He's one of my favorite non-jazz players, but he's kind of like this is kind of his fault in a sense. Where like he he signed that contract and he's got years yeah. on it. And now, like, where the league's at, there's not many teams that have the assets to go and get Dame. Or, you know, and <clears throat> and now they're stuck in this limbo of we have Dame, but, like, we kind of want to rebuild. And it's just weird. It's such a weird time in, in Portland sports right now. Well, it's kind of sad to see that, especially with the way contracts are these days and the amount of money that goes into them. Mm -hmm. small markets can only do so much to appease their like top players by giving them the max it's like hey i'm gonna give you the max but i can't promise you them signing another max yeah yeah like i'm paying you this much already so and i think it's interesting to compare leagues like nba doesn't happen as often but in the nfl like you'll see a player that'll go to the crappiest team in the league because they're willing to pay them 10 million more a year than jeremy grant like a contender you could see yeah so it's just like for the nba it's difficult for dame to say you know what i need this money because he deserves the contract no one's saying that he doesn't but at the same time it's like and i if the front office is capable let's say the front office has like a good enough draw they'd say hey we need this extra money to get this guy here but that's if portland's front office is capable of it which i don't really think they are but anyway yeah so two teams kind of on the outskirts, not really knowing what uh what they're gonna do. Now let, let's kind of try to flip it on, uh, and then just try to talk more about positive things <laughs> that are happening in the Western Conference. 
Um, which I think a big one to note uh, is Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota has been like traditionally a bad team that is never successful. And it kind of seems like this year they finally got a lot of good things happening at the same time. And hopefully they can make that push. Uh, right now they're sitting at 7-9, and nine, so just under 500. But they are sitting at that 10 spot. And the teams that they're competing for on that 10 spot is like Oklahoma City, Sacramento, San Antonio, which are like literally all situations of teams that are actually trying to lose with the exception of like Sacramento. And then that's kind of like iffy. But I think it's honestly super realistic for Minnesota to be on that 10 spot, maybe even 9. What do you guys think? I hate to be, I don't know. I feel like I've been very Debbie Downer this this episode. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm of the mindset that if it, they'll probably get the tenth or ninth seed and then just lose, and then they'll just yeah. be disappointed. I'm I I'm not particularly particularly excited for for Minnesota. I just I mean they had that like six or seven game losing streak, and they just I don't really think they've made much of a step honestly like cat's been great but like they they they're just in such a weird spot right now oh I I think I agree with you I, I I'm a little more positive in my thinking as far as it goes because uh I, I do don't I don't think they're gonna be higher than a nine seed um yeah but I think there are things to look forward in is that um, Anthony Edwards is playing just as good as he did last year and has some games where he's playing even better. Yeah. And with a dude that athletic, like at least there's some hope for the future. Cat um, as well. Yeah, you mentioned him. And I, I, I mean, I've seen I, I've been following them a lot more than I did last last year. And as far as the games they're playing, like they're they're doing really well as far as like not getting like incredibly blown out by the good teams and occasionally stealing one from one, mm -hmm. but they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And so that's, that's where like, if I'm a Minnesota fan, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so instead of being second or last in the West, at least we're 10th, you know, like there is some progress to look forward to compared to last season. So yeah, I agree. They'll probably get knocked out within their first play in game if they do make the 10 or ninth seed, but I think they will. Yeah. I I think a big catalyst is Anthony Edwards' development. Uh, if yeah. he's yeah. going to step up to be that player, which right, right now, he's looking great. I mean, he's, he's averaging 22.5 points per game, which uh, as a scale of reference, um, that is less than two points uh, behind Donovan Mitchell. Um, just by the way, and I think another upside for someone who's so like ball dominant and, you know, wanting to just really put it on people like he's actually, uh, he's rebounding 6.2 and assisting 3.4. That's his averages for this year so far, uh, 16 games into the season. He's also averaging 1.3 steals, uh, and only 3.4 turnovers. So he's, his assist to turnover ratio so far in 16 games is one. It's, it's even yeah, that's solid um which for someone like him so young uh and just like dynamic and like him like you usually see players like that losing the ball a lot so some upside uh cat's fun 
D'Lo, I think if we can get D'Lo back to Brooklyn, D'Lo, like uh, Minnesota makes noise, but I just don't see that happening myself. Um, but I think a lot of it, a lot of it is going to depend on Anthony, for sure. Yep. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I guess for you guys, uh, what are some teams that you're excited about looking, you know, outside looking in on uh, Western Conference? Oh, it's bleak right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not looking good right now. Um, I I do, and we've mentioned it before. I like the progress that Oklahoma City's making, even with like yeah the just the team they have right now. The fact that they are winning as much as they are, I, I think that's something to be happy about, especially if you're a Thunder fan. Um, but outside of that. Like maybe Zion makes a big difference for the Pelicans, but it's it's mm-hmm. not looking good. It's not looking good at the bottom I, of the West. Zion, Zion's gonna leave the Pelicans. Is, is what's gonna happen right. after this year? Right. So. Um, this team is a little bit above the playing team, um, but I think the Nuggets. Um, you know, it, it's been a little disappointing with Michael Porter Jr. and he's missed some time. And of course, going into the season, we wouldn't really know what they would be without Jamal Murray. But considering that, like, basically Jokic has put this his team on his back and pulling them and carrying them, they're nine and seven right now. And what is that? Fifth, fifth in the West. <clears throat> and in the I, West. I, and for me, like Denver, they don't necessarily need to have a good seed. They just need to make it to yeah. the playoffs and if, in at least an okay spot, just to get to a spot where once Jamal Murray comes back. They'll yeah. be in, at least in a spot where they can succeed. Yeah. And I think w- w- where they're at right now is is perfectly fine. I I think, well, I mean, Denver's just hard carried by Jokic. It's true. Hard. It's bad right now. He's, he's <laughs> literally that good where he's taken this yep. team with their second best player injured, third best player not playing like their third best player, and still being relevant in the Western Conference. That just, <clears throat> that's MVP candidate kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, the thing is, as a whole, I really like Denver's roster construction when they're all healthy. I think they have a lot of complementary pieces to Jamal Murray and Jokic and MPJ. But when one of those guys is out and the other one is not performing very well, it's, it's kind of hard to have them as a cohesive piece. Mm-hmm. But once they're full and healthy, I think they'll start to be the dominant denver that we know yeah what about memphis oh memphis yeah that was another team i was about to bring up yeah they're they're just hot and cold that's what i was gonna bring up about them is they're they're hot and cold and it's it's literally john morant's hot they have a really good chance at winning that game if he doesn't well Mm -hmm. you can see what happened with the timberwolves they get (laughs) blown the fetch out and they're young and sometimes young teams lose games that they should and they sometimes you know will lose harder than they should if that if, if that makes sense uh, yeah, but, sti- but, but still they're very talented jaw is very good they have a good roster construction and where they're at at eight like that's better than the, like obviously we're not all the way through the season but eight is an improvement yeah. from last season so they're i, stay, I they're I'm, staying in in the, in the playoff roster yeah exactly so. right yeah um I, th- I think the big one that Everybody wants to talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, uh, the large purple and yellow elephant in the room, <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. This is all that I'll have to say about the Lakers. Okay. What is going on? 
Tell us what's going I, on, Reg. <laughs> I I think the top six is not going to change. If you look at the top six right now, you have the Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Mavericks, Nuggets, and Clippers. I do not think those teams fall out of it. I think that stays... It, now, seeding, it, it will vary. Whoever gets a 1-3, whatever. Yeah, but exactly. The top six are the top six, and that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the season. That's the way I see it. You know, I... Respect. I, I agree. Like, I, I don't... Of those six, like, who do you pick to take out for the Lakers? Right. I, I don't... I don't see it. I don't see it. And here's here's my problem with the Lakers. And I, I, I said this before the season started. I told you guys. They have no spacing. Zero spacing <sighs> whatsoever. No one shoots. Like, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are shooting, like, combined 16% from three this season. And there's just no heart there. Like, I... I said before the season that I think they'll probably be probably be the best transition team. I don't know where they are. I'm sure they're just fine in transition. But in the half court, they are terrible. And they've they got rid of their defense defensive like uh versatility and uh depth with so many of their trades they did. Like losing Caruso was a much bigger thing than I think most people realized. Funny enough. And they just they're the both offensive and defensive integrity is just not there. And it's so funny because when, when that trade happened for Russell Westbrook, I heard a lot of takes that were like, Russell Westbrook will help LeBron when he's injured. He'll be able to like run the offense and he'll be fine. And I, and like at first I was like, yeah, I could, I could see that. But where they're at right now, when LeBron has been out, they have been terrible. They at like, if they want to win a game, it's almost like they absolutely need LeBron. Like they're they're losing. Look, what did they lose to this week? They lost by thirty to the Celtics when like basically everyone was playing Milwaukee, Chicago, Minnesota, Portland, and they lost to OKC twice and gave up like big leads. I just both of them I, were like I didn't, nineteen points or more. Yeah, and I did not. It? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was like 19. And then it's 26 the other game. But Grant, like, I didn't think the Lakers would be that great. But boy, have they just been worse than I thought they would be. It's a train wreck in, in Los Angeles. What What do you think happens if they don't make the playoffs? If they don't? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, what, what can they do? That, that, that Westbrook... Uh, Contract is one of like the top five most untradeable contracts, right? Yeah. Like, I I just. Yeah, if, I think. It's I think they end up having a situation like Seventy Sixers, to be fair. Um, and the fun. This is the this is the hard thing about when you have LeBron James on your team is you have your front office and LeBron. Like it's yeah. not. He's yeah. he's half of the decision making. At, at maybe not half. He's at least the final say. So if let's say this team either bows out in the play-in or they fall out of the top 10, which I, I don't think will happen, I think you have a lot of Lakers just using the only difference from last year as a catalyst, and that is Russell Westbrook. They'll all come after him, and then he won't mm -hmm. want to be there, and then they have this contract that they can't move. It's similar to the 76ers position. I think if they don't make the playoffs they end up 
sucking for a couple of years again and then having to rebuild once they get rid of some contracts. You think LeBron yeah. goes back to, to Cleveland? I don't know. He might just, he might just um, sit the bench for a couple years. I don't like and, and Listen, I get like when LeBron's on your team, you kind of have to listen to him and like, you know, hear, hear out what he wants and kind of kind of cater to him because he's LeBron. You know, you want to keep him happy. But if you're Palinka, their their GM, you have to put your foot down. You have to. When when that that buddy heel trade was objectively would have made them much better. They would have kept Absolutely. their depth. Absolutely. They wouldn't have had to trade away so much of their depth. And then they would have had one of the top three or four, wherever you want to put Buddy Heald in three point. Like he's he can shooter. shoot volume and he's very efficient. Yeah. I just he's not a brick. But they didn't do it because LeBron's, no, I want Westbrook. And I get you want to keep him happy, but you have to put your foot down and decide, no, this is what's better for the team. And they didn't, and now they have to deal with their consequences. It's still early, and you'll talk to any Lakers fan, and they'll say, like, dude, there's not even 25% of the season done. It's like, bro, if they're losing now that LeBron's back, what do you have? Like, what's left? Like yeah. I even th- I think Steve Vogel's a great coach, but he, he how do you coach this team? It, you have Westbrook who eats every inch of space you get if LeBron's off the floor. Like you have to hope that Carmelo Anthony's going to hit a three. Like that's literally yeah. been the the Lakers' offense. It's it's ugly. Yeah, man. and that's the thing. Davis. If if Carmelo yeah. Anthony hasn't gone god mode in this first part of the season, they would have lost like three or four more games. Yeah, there were some mm-hmm. games where he literally won won them, and he sh- because he's shooting like fifty percent from three, and yeah. that's go- that's gonna because of the spacing, that's and, just and he's too. gonna get game planned. It's gonna it's gonna <laughs> right. go down. It's not staying there all season. No. So the Lakers have some serious serious issues they have to figure out. Yeah, ugly. Oh man, that would be that would be a nasty finish, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, even even if they stay in the playoffs, I mean, they're going to be playing against the Warriors, the Suns, or the Jazz. Um, yep. Which I hope they wouldn't play the Jazz. Yeah, granted, uh, like I don't we, think any of those teams we, want to, <laughs> because I mean, we no, love right? big, uh, big uh, athletic wings, uh, don't yeah. we? As, as a Jazz organization, we love them. <laughs> but um. I mean, then there's the whole, like, LeBron not winning in Salt Lake, which is pretty nice, too. Uh, <laughs> pretty nice odds. But still, like, that's kind of nuts. Uh, imagine them getting the whole, like, Golden State, uh, Los Angeles. I, I, I think that would be a really fun series to watch, especially mm-hmm. just the obliteration uh, happening <laughs> from <laughs> Golden State. But still, I'm I'm very surprised. I mean, it, it's seeming like the Western Conference is really, really undecided right now. It is. It's wide um, open. And I think really the only teams to look at and highlight are like the Golden State and Phoenix. Um, Phoenix has like quietly had what an eleven game win streak. Which eleven is like, game yep. winning streak. Like, That's crazy. It is nuts. Um, Chris Paul, he's back. Devin Booker's yep. back. It's back. All right. Phoenix Suns are back in the, into form. Um, Utah Jazz are starting to get back into form. Golden State has been, you know, great spotlight, um, super great uh, as a team. Uh, I I think I read a statistic that Stephen Curry, uh, with uh, like the last game that he played, just had hit 
uh, 36 20-point fourth quarters in his career, which is the same amount as Kobe Bryant. Um, Gosh, and, that's st- a, and Stephen oh Curry's still playing. And he's, and he's not he's even outrageous. close to being done. And he's already tied the league-wide point, games with 20 points in the fourth quarter at 36. So, wow. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and then I, I also think Clippers, for the situation that they have, are also doing really good. Um, I think a lot of people have been really sleeping on Paul George as well. But he's also quietly good. having an incredible season. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really sporadic and really wide. I think this is like a kind of like a conversation we might have to revisit uh, maybe during like all-star break uh, just to really see where the teams are. Because I think it is like the Eastern Conference seems pretty like accurate as, as far as like how it's going to stay that way. But Western Conference could literally be a toss up uh, mm-hmm. anytime from here. I mean, who knows? Like maybe the Lakers can figure it out and then actually be a top six uh, in the top. Is Dallas going to be able to like sustainably continue playing how they are? Like, is Kristaps Porzingis going to also continue playing as he is? And I mean, it's been working right now, but we'll have to see. Uh, I think there's a lot of intangibles and stuff that we don't know. Uh, the Jazz just got Rudy Gay back after injury, which Ooh. has been a nice catalyst. Oh baby, um, very good. And then we're also seeing Bojan. Uh, also increase in his productivity. Jordan Clarkson starting to come back. Like, there's a lot of teams that seem to be figuring it out, and then there's a lot of teams that have seemed to lost the momentum that they started with. Um, so I think it's a big toss-up, but definitely a conversation we'll have to revisit. Um, Absolutely, uh, agreed. All star break, but definitely appreciate all of you uh, listening to us uh, wherever you are in the world. Danka. Um, Thank you. That's how you say it in England, right? Um, England, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then if you're in Belgium, uh, merci. Like, I think if you speak French over there, I I think that's one of the big ones they speak. But I think they have like three it's main like French languages. French and Dutch, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to say it in Dutch. But thank you so much for listening either. to us uh, all the way out over there and wherever you are in the United States uh, or any new viewers that might be listening from a different country. Thank you guys so much for listening, uh, and we will see you next week.